Welcome to the Socialette Podcast, where we empower you with the marketing know-how you need to create the business of your dreams. I'm your host, Steph Taylor, and I'm a marketing nerd, Shiraz lover, and passport stamp collector. Join me as I dive into all things small business marketing and deliver them to you in bite-sized, fluff-free lessons every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. Let's get learning. Hey, welcome to the Socialite Podcast. This is episode 33, and it's a little bit different today. So after getting some really great feedback about the podcast interview I did with the fabulous ladies from Two Girls and a Laptop, I've decided to start including a few more longer interview format episodes. Don't worry, I'll still be doing the bite-sized marketing lessons as usual. Just every couple of weeks, I'll be including some interviews with some of the best in the game. Today's guest, Ronsley Vaz, is definitely one of the best in content marketing and podcasting game. We met in a co-working space in Brisbane about two years ago now, and I now consider him to be a really good friend and a mentor of mine. His business story is super interesting. He started and ran a restaurant, which literally got shut down overnight because they were in that much debt. He's since turned things around and is now the founder of Australia's first audio marketing agency, Amplify. He's also a published author, a TEDx speaker, the creator of We Are Podcast, which is the Southern Hemisphere's first podcasting conference, and he sits on the board of Free to Shine, which is an organization that aims to stop sex trafficking. Ronsley has so much business and marketing wisdom to share, so I'm going to shut up now and we can get stuck into this episode right away. Hi, Ronsley. Thanks for coming on the Social Ed Podcast. Steph Taylor, thank you. I uh, find it weird that we have to do the introduction again, even though we've been speaking for like... I don't know, an hour. Yeah. So for those of you who don't know, Ronsley just interviewed me for his podcast. Which podcast did you interview me for? He's got multiple. Should I start a podcast? Great podcast. Highly recommend it for, even if you don't, even if you're not thinking of starting a podcast, it's got some pretty good content marketing tips on there. Ronsley is also the founder of Amplify, which is Australia's first audio marketing agency. So Ronsley, do you want to tell us what Amplify does? Sure. Uh, do you know how in any business, um, conversions in any business happen in conversations, whether you're getting a new team member on board, a new client, a new partner, um, it doesn't matter what it is, uh, every conversion happens in conversations. So we harness the power of conversations to create content and use that to market the business. In short, that's what we do. And so how big is Amplify now? Because I know certainly in the two years that I've known you, it's gone from being yourself with an offshore team to now a pretty huge team in Brisbane. Yeah. I mean, I think we're going to still make sure that we keep the nimble part of Amplify because I think that's what's allowed us to grow and pivot and turn. But yeah, when Amplify started, it was literally me on my own, uh, writing the content, doing the editing uh, putting everything up and making sure that every, everyone is happy. I was bringing the business in, doing the operations. And then I realized really quickly that I needed more people. But now we're 27, uh, going on 29, I want to say. And um, it uh, continues to amaze me because the kinds of problems or issues that we deal with on a regular basis are quite different to when we first started, obviously. Wow. So... 
how did you get to where you are now then? What's what's your journey been like in business? So what did you do before Amplify? Uh, I did a lot of stuff. Um, I have a, an array of... Um, I have an array of designations. So uh, I've, I've been a... I'm a trained software engineer uh, because in India, you know, you have to be do IT to figure out what you want to do with the rest of your life. <laughs> <laughs> and um, I... So software engineering, I did... Um, um, I wrote a thesis in software quality, so I became a software quality specialist. Uh, led a big global team on the Canadian Stock Exchange uh, implementing the ISO 9001 for them. Um, they they allowed me to go and or paid for an MBA for me to do at QUT, which I did. Then I, um, while I was doing that, uh, I finished that. I kind of got an offer to be a financial advisor, which I had no idea what it was. And um, that company just took over the Deloitte's books, so they paid for my RG one four six, and I became a financial advisor for two years. While I realized that I want to try my hand at business, and then I opened a, a restaurant um, while while being a financial advisor at the same time. And then for one year, I did both of those. Uh, I had a full full on restaurant and um, was a financial advisor. And when I when I opened the restaurant, I had a head chef who had a KPI that he had to train me to run the kitchen in a year. So I fast tracked my chef learning in my own kitchen, starting off by, by you know, washing the dishes and prepping and, and um, doing all wow. the stuff that a normal chef does uh, to, to, to earn my stripes. And I uh, started running that kitchen and um, uh, built that business, uh, which overnight shut on me, uh, or shut on us rather, and uh, we had $478,000 in debt, which uh, was massive, I suppose, at the time, but now everyone can laugh about it. And uh, and and then I and then I think I believe at that point I matured in business. I believe under, until that point I was conforming to a very traditional way of looking at business. I was doing what others had done, or looking at what was easy and looking at what seemed right, rather than allowing the market to dictate the product and dictate the sale. So. I feel like I matured at that point where I started a and the Uber for chefing, which was which is called which was called Bon Bon Appetit, and it was a bunch of chefs uh, that had spare time in the kitchens they were already working in, and a bunch of clients that knew they had to eat right but couldn't find the time to shop or to cook. So these chefs would go into their homes once a week and cook their whole weekly meals for them once a week, and they would do that. Uh, week in and week out, so the chefs would get a chance to express their creativity, uh, and these people had food that they would love to eat because we would do a taste test before they started to make sure that you know they did, were not eating anything they hated, and also they were eating for whatever their goals were, whether it was focus, whether it was it uh, you know longevity, whether it was uh, some of them you know had different ailments, and a lot of them wanted weight loss, so. They were getting what they wanted. These guys were getting what they wanted. Everyone was happy. So I started a podcast to promote that business, which is Bond Appetit, which still goes today, but it's a very different podcast to when it started. Okay. And you're still in your 30s, so that's kind of a, a lot. Do you sleep? Uh, <laughs> it, no. Well, I, to, to answer that question, the last, last 
last couple of years, it's been um, really weird that my sleep has been affected. Uh, but I think that's a that's a different story. I try to sleep, but it's not the same. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So you've had obviously such a varied journey in business. Like I think you, so you've run very, you've run a couple of different businesses now. So what, what have been some of the challenges that you've faced along the way so far? I think that as an entrepreneur, my, I've signed up for a life where every week there is a challenge or an obstacle to face because that that's just that's just the role that's my job is to fix yeah. those things that come up on a on a regular basis so um there are a variety i think that um you get you get extremely thick skin uh a lot of the times and it, and, and 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 you know what i i also tend to find out when i need a break depending on how i react to certain situations so if I find that something happens and I kind of go, oh, that shouldn't have happened, chances are I need a break because I have not looked at it from a point of perspective of the obstacle being the way. However, once I've had a break and anything that happens, I look, that, I look at that and go, that's really interesting. I wonder what I did not see and I wonder what what opportunities this obstacle will bring because it always come I always come out the other way way better than I was before the obstacle so I mean resilience is is key and important I feel as an entrepreneur if I'm not solving meaningful problems and not making an impact then you know it's just I might as well get a job um exactly right yeah I think there's so many people out there who basically just have a job except with all the stress yeah yeah. yeah, that's a traditional way of looking at business, and I think you know at the at the restaurant. Luckily, it it you know it shut on me. Luckily, I did not make that decision uh, because I think I would have still been there. I've still been trying to make it work, uh, and not to say it didn't didn't work. There were you know towards the last year and a half, we had queues outside the restaurant, uh, so it was extremely weird because you know out from the outside, it looked like we were extremely well doing kind of restaurant i think it's quite i think there are quite a lot of businesses out there that from the outside it looks like they've got it all together and they're doing really well but then under the surface they're really just struggling to stay afloat i think that's that's definitely a common thing mm. um all right so what what has been your biggest whoops moment so far what's the biggest mistake you've made Ooh, I've made a lot of mistakes um, in business. <laughs> I've made a lot of mistakes in business. I think um, I think a lot of the times that um, I mean, every every time I look at my life, I kind of realize that I've never actually been here before. So it's not like I'm making any decisions from a place of certainty anymore. Like I've never run a, a business with with that this many team members. Definitely not in so many time zones. And never run this kind of business. So I'm actually really learning on the go. So I've made a lot of oops moments and made a lot of uh, lot of mistakes. I would have to say that, uh, you know, the, the biggest mistake has to be the restaurant, considering the the aftermath that has, you know, the what happened in the in 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 um, in the five years that followed is has left definitely damage in its wake. So the yeah. restaurant. Um, I feel like not understanding the business side uh, of 
a business was my first, my first, uh, my biggest mistake. I thought, like most people did, that if you're a good marketer or a good mechanic or a good chef or a good, you know, dentist, that you'll make a good business owner, and that's not the case ever because no one knows you exist. And there's all these other parts about business that no one tells you about. Or even if they tell you, it doesn't sink in because there's marketing, there's advertising, there's customer service, there's customer retention, there's um, onboarding, there's team, there's finance, there's accounting. There's no shortage of... And this is someone who went through business school. So I don't... I think that my biggest mistake was underestimating business. Wow. So what advice then would you give to your pre-business self? Uh, make the mistake for sure, because uh, I don't think I would have learned any other way, the right way. Yeah. Uh, I feel like I feel like being in business is always going to be a position of I don't know what to do next, and I've got to figure it out. So if certainty is something you're looking for, I don't necessarily think that entrepreneurship and business is for you. Um saying that there are ways to hack certainty. There's ways to make life more certain in business. Um, But still, there's always going to be stuff that will come up and you have to be resilient enough to deal with it. And also, it's not about you at all. It's not about you. It's a lonely road. It's, It's no one will really understand. So if you're looking for all that kind of stuff, um, this is not this is not the path. And I think, yeah, I think also um if you look if you're one of those people who thrives on positive feedback or that seeks that sort of approval, probably business isn't for you either. <laughs> um so you mentioned just before that you have some ways to hack certainty. Would you mind sharing what those ways are? Because I'm really interested. Sure. Uh one of the one of the best ways to do it is make sure you have a, a recurring monthly revenue. Um, so, so I'll, I'll talk about in perspective, right? I'll, I'll talk about the restaurant and I'll talk about how I changed the model using the lessons I learned from the restaurant. So the three biggest problems with the restaurant was number one, um, the highest cost were wages. So everyone had to be on full-time or casual and we had to pay tax and super on top of that. So our highest bill by a long, by sometimes double and triple the next bill was wages. The second thing was that um, we were a fresh food restaurant, which meant that all the food we bought had no GST on it and everything that we sold had GST on it. So from, from straight off the bat, we were losing 10%. And then cash flow was a problem because of that. And um, because that was an issue... Uh, we had to prep, obviously, all the fresh food, which meant I was spending money on wages again, which meant um, anyone that was also eating the food, I had to market to them again for them to come back to consume it to get more money coming in. So that was number two. Number three, that it was a restaurant. It was a location. Once we had the location, we couldn't change the location, and that was just set in stone. So yeah. the, the ability to pivot and move was very, very small. Um, how I've changed that with Amplify, uh, we have a global team. We, so we're not really uh, focused on 
input hours as much as we're focused on task completion. So we have changed the model right. uh, there. Two, we have a monthly recurring model. So our clients are with us for the long term uh, and we sign them up uh, slower but longer. Uh, and we know what our, our income is on a regular basis. And any one-off clients that come in is basically cherry and, and cream on top of our recurring revenue. And the third is um, as much as I would love to see amplifying flashing lights, we don't have an office and we work out of you know, co-working spaces and, and we're nimble and we can, I can run this out of any part of the world uh, because our team as well is present, present on, in any part of the world. So it's, um, yeah. that's the way I've kind of hacked a lot of the stuff that I've learned from in the restaurant and traditional business to the way amplifiers run now. I think there's so many lessons in there, especially especially about keeping it nimble. I think so many people are in a rush to hire the team of full-time staff and get that big office space, and they don't actually realize that they don't need it yet. So that's that's amazing. So when you launched Amplify, where where did your first client come from? So I didn't. <laughs> how I launched Amplify was also interesting because I did not spend a single cent on Amplify until what? I did not set, spend a single cent on Amplify. <gasps> I didn't even have a name before I had my first eight clients. What? Yeah. Um, true story. So I had an idea of Amplify and what I wanted it to look like in terms of a service and the problems that mm-hmm. I was solving for a particular type of client. I knew that there were certain clients out there that um, were creative and just wanted to make sure that their brand was getting noticed. And the branding would make a massive impact on uh, their, their leads, their cash flow, their, their income, their clients, and, 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 and themselves as well as getting recognized. So I decided that I would go out and get 10 beta clients. And I promised them a ridiculous price for the rest of their lives if they came on as a beta client to this business. And... Um, it is, it is not half, but it is, I think, about 67 or 68% of what we currently charge right now, monthly, monthly payments that, that, I, that I sold them for, to become the first 10 clients. And we had, eight, we had eight clients, and one of them called me up and said, hey, I, I, I want to introduce you to this friend of mine who I think would be perfect for what you're, what you're doing. What's the name of your business? And I went, um, I have to call you back because I did not have a name. <laughs> I did not have a name at all. And two weeks later, I had to call him back because I came up with Amplify. And the way I came up with Amplify was I looked up online and I searched for powerful verbs. And, <laughs> and I didn't even get to B. I got, it was only an A. And I was like, let's go with that. Um, and that's how Amplify was born. Um, and it, it, ridiculously enough, that happened in en- end of May, June, middle, end of June, I had the idea for the book. Uh, the second week of July, so I writing the book by the end of July, finished the book, released the book in October. Website went up in September. October released the book. We won a whole bunch of awards for Amplify. Um, and... Uh, in February the next year, we became a million-dollar company. That's insane. 
That is absolutely insane. So how, how do you market your business? How do you get your clients? The podcast is mainly, so content is everywhere. For, for us, we create so much of content. Uh, we have something going out every single day. So we have two podcasts and a video that goes out every week. Out of those two podcasts and that video, there is uh, two extra pieces of text content that goes out with each of those. So that's six additional text content pieces of content that goes out on top of that. Wow. That goes, um, all that stuff goes into social. Um, all that stuff goes into LinkedIn and other guest posts and other, you know, um, link, uh, what's it called? Um, uh, medium <laughs> and, um, and in obviously Instagram and other places. So content, content, content runs everything really. Oh, why, why, like, why do you think it's so important that someone, so not, not necessarily yourself, because yeah. obviously you've got a team that has that time to produce those two podcasts and video and do you say six blog posts? Yeah. Six. Yeah. Six. So, That's so, insane. Yeah. Yeah. So for someone who's just starting out and they don't have all those resources, why should they spend that extra time each week producing that content when they could be working on a client or creating more products to sell? Well, even if you create more products, you still have to you know, find the time to sell those products. It's um, the creation of the product is still, you know, even the creation, the creation of the content is still only the start. It's only the 20%. The 80% comes from marketing and distributing whatever it is that you create and, 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 and you put mm. out there, right? Um, why it's important, uh, there are three things that you need to do before you sell to someone. You need to um, build trust, uh, qualify that person as a lead, and, and prove value. Uh, so mm -hmm. with, with content being put out on a regular basis, you're doing all those three things before that person understands what you do why you do it and kind of knows and understands that you can deliver on the promises that you're putting out so when they do have time with you in a sales call they're not asking any of those questions because they've you've already proven value you've already already built trust and because you're having the conversation with them you found a way to qualify them as a lead so your only choice in that sales conversation is can I actually help you so you're not having to have an icky sales conversation which everyone in business hates? So yeah. you're marketing yourself way before someone even needs you as uh, a product or service. That's Yeah, that's a huge, huge benefit. So if someone is looking to get started with content marketing, what would you recommend they do first? I, I, I think it's a mixture of what you do and, and what we do. Uh, I think, firstly, I would do what you did and put it out to you know the clients or the prospects or the community as to what kind of topics they want to hear about and make a list, exhaustive list of that of those topics. If you don't know uh, what those topics are, then we've created a tool actually called the Content Amplifier, which asks you fifteen yes, amazing fifteen questions and it'll spit out seventy five topics that you should think about so you'll have the topics already but i think your way is better like if you ask people what they want to hear about and you have a list of topics that's that's a really good um that's a really good strategy then once you have the topics i would literally download rev on my phone uh and i would start talking 
about those topics. If mm. you don't know how, what to cover in those topics, uh, there is a tool that we've created called the Content Expander, which are nine boxes. Uh-huh. And you put the topic in the first box and then you just answer the questions in each of those boxes and it'll just expand on any topic that you put in there. What? <laughs> I, this is the first I've heard of your Content Expander. This is great. Yeah, Where can they get it from? Um, so if you download the Content Amplifier, then... Uh, in one of the emails that you get following is this nine boxes where um, you can just put the the topic into and it'll you just it'll just expand on any topic um, because it'll ask you things like what's the big idea here what is someone who's reading this looking for what's the aspiration behind it um, what's the big mistake oh, wow. that they shouldn't make and and you just basically all you do is look at it and look at the topic and 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 recite it out and you recite that out into yeah. Rev. Rev will, will, 20 minutes later, will send you a transcript back. You do what you do and edit that out and put that out there and then take out quotes from there, create Instagram images on Canva. You know, you can do it all yourself. Wow. Yeah, yeah. And just, yeah, and for a little bit of background, so a five-minute, about five minutes is, it's around a thousand words. So you could, you could include a fair bit of content there from Rev. That's great. That's really good. So where can someone download the Content Amplifier from? Uh, contentamplifier.com.au is where you can get that. Okay. I'll pop a link to that in the show notes as well. So what, what are some of the biggest mistakes that you see people making with content marketing? Uh, the worst mistake is uh, being loud and not clear with your message. So being loud and vague. Um, yeah. You know, the idea that... Anything that you put out should be loud and clear. We know that. But the problem is every other variation of loud and clear does not work. So we know that weak, um, a weak message is not loud and a clear message mm. is, is vague. So a weak and vague message is something I suppose by default we avoid. But if it's clear and it's not loud, it's going to be wasted. It's going to be wasted. Uh, yeah. And, and even the flip side of it being um, vague and loud is going to be annoying. So those are the mistakes that mm. people make. You know, they kind of have, they kind of say, my team has a KPI of writing a blog post a month. But is that content actually doing anything? You know, this meaningless content being produced all the time. Is it actually creating content that converts? And conversion does not mean you convert someone into a client. Conversion means that you leave the reader, the consumer, better off than when they started consuming that piece of content. So that is conversion. So you kind of convert someone either by being a little bit smarter or a little bit wiser or a little bit uh, uh, you know, um, uh, savvy. or It doesn't matter what it is. The conversion is... What happens to the consumer from the time they start to the time they finish consuming that piece of content? I've never actually thought of conversion like that. So that's really that's really useful. So most of your content comes from your podcasts. Where so would you recommend that everyone starts a podcast? I do. I do. I'm I'm very biased and I'm very aware that I'm biased uh, uh, along those lines. But I do think that the best thing about a podcast that is easy to start and I think the worst thing about a podcast that is easy to start and uh, usually yeah. the first idea that people have um, is something they'd run with and 
usually the first idea that someone has is the first idea that everyone else will have as well. So mm-hmm. um, find a concept that's unique to you, unique to your business, unique to your clients, unique to your partners. Uh, and I think there's a space for everyone because think about the ways that people consume content these days. Um, you can read, you can watch a video, uh, or you can listen to audio. Now, only one of those pieces of content you can do or consume while you're doing other things, and that's audio. Um, every other one, you've got to stop what you're doing to consume it. And also, there are 2 million blog posts published every day. There is, what? Yeah, and there's, you can actually, it's <laughs> actually a, a website. So if you Google that, it'll tell you today how many blog posts have been published. And I think there's about 300, oh 300 minutes of YouTube published every second uh wow so those are crazy those are that's a crazy amount of content being produced every minute um of every day and uh audio is just getting started it's one of the most in-depth platforms and i think as a business owner find a way to bring the creative and the commercial together so that someone consumes it in a way that leaves them better off than when they started off how how does someone know that they're ready to start a podcast. They've got that idea. Maybe it's their first idea and they think it's amazing. Um, I certainly know that this podcast wouldn't exist if I'd run with my first idea, <laughs> as you know. Yeah. But um, yeah, so how if once someone's got their idea, how do they know it's the right idea and how do they know that they're actually ready to start? So here's the deal. Every If you look at any comedian that ever became famous, they started off by imitating their famous comedian. So... There's nothing wrong with going through a phase of learning, understanding, trying, trialing, and going through that process to figure out what your voice is, number one. So there's no wrong decision Mm. in this whole thing. Uh, And you're big proof to that because I would have not suggested at all the Social Ed podcast, but it is is an amazing podcast. And you've managed to go against everything that I would have suggested and still found massive success in in what you've produced so uh listen to people who've done it before and listen to a variety of different perspectives don't listen to people who have not done it because everyone has a, an opinion and you know everyone's opinion is not necessarily valid in certain in a lot of situations so be be, be aware yeah. of, of who you listen to um <laughs> and i think the one question you should ask yourself if you're looking to start a podcast and get traction from day dot is this concept, this particular podcast, would I, me personally, be comfortable recording 10,000 episodes on this topic? And would I keep going? Would I keep going? Would I keep going? And if the answer to to that is no, then you've not found your concept yet. That's kind of scary. 10,000 episodes is a lot. (laughs) So you've got this amazing framework called the Amplify Framework. I'm familiar with it, but obviously my listeners probably aren't. Would Mm. you mind walking us through it? Because I think it's really really useful for them. Yeah, 100%. So um, the Amplify Framework, again, I I had the word first before I actually um, had the steps. So I had the steps... And I had done the steps before. I knew there were seven steps. So I made them work for the word amplify. Uh, so A-M-P-L-I-F-N-Y break up into seven steps. A is analyze your audience. If you don't know who your audience is, that and it doesn't only mean who's listening. That means who your clients are, who you are, why mm. you're different, 
Who are you, the visitors that come to your website? Why they're different from your clients? Because that will change. Who are your loyalists? Who are your partners? Those are all part of your audience. And figuring who they are is step number one. Otherwise, everything from that point is just swimming upstream. Yeah. Num- number two is mold your brand. Um, and based on who it is that you're trying to target, make sure that your branding coincides with that. So that doesn't that's not only logos and colors and fonts it's like how does how how would you start a uh, how would you start a uh, an email that you would put out how would you end an email how would you pick up the phone uh what is it that you want people to remember about an interaction with your business all that all yeah. that stuff is part of branding oh yeah how how you want them to feel how you want them to feel that, 100% that's a big part of it 100% uh and and sometimes we pick different colors and we want to feel well we pick very dull colors and we want people to feel edgy uh because we are an edgy brand or 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 we have uh you should trust us uh on the front cover when we're trying to disrupt the industry like all those kind of stuff is is going against uh the natural forms of branding which confuses audiences um yeah so that's two. Three is productize your ecosystem. P. So productization Productization is all about making sure that you have various products for different types of audiences. So you have a visitor that comes to your website. Do you have um, something that will convert them into a lead? That's a product. Once they're a lead, do you have something that will convert them into a subscriber? That's a product. Do you, you know, once they're a subscriber, do you have something that a product that will convert them into a prospect? That's a product. And you have a variety of products, including when you're having the conversation with your prospect and saying, hey, do you want to become a client? You can have um, silver, gold, or platinum. You can have economy, business, or first-class tickets. Even though it's the same plane that's taking you from A to B, you, you, you should have a variety of different products that allow them to pick the kind of journey they want to experience with you. So that's all about productization and productizing your ecosystem. Only then you get to L and launch your audio. Um, and launching your audio is, you know, you know a podcast, obviously. Uh, and it depends on how you want to put it out, whether you want to have a monologue uh, type show like you do or an interview type show that I have or anything in between. That's L. I is intensify your message. Take the piece of audio, extract and squeeze every last piece of content from it and uh yes so important put that out to the world um then is f make sure that that pieces those pieces of content foster engagement so f is foster engagement make sure that all those pieces of content find a way to take someone through an engaging process because otherwise they you Mm. won't build trust with them and finally why is yield on investment. Measure everything. No marketing process is complete without making sure that it returns on investment. And that's what the why is. That's a pretty awesome framework. I can't believe you managed to make it fit into Amplify as well. I I can't either. (laughs) Oh, I think that's all the questions I wanted to squeeze out of you. Ronzi, can you tell my listeners where they can find out a little bit more about you and also maybe tell them a little bit about the event that you're running mm. later this year? Yeah, I um, to find out more about me, literally, I think if you Google Ronsley, uh, there's a whole bunch of stuff. I, I'm sure that's all good stuff that'll come up. So 
Uh, that's nothing. <laughs> that's that's nothing too dodgy. Nothing too dodgy because I removed all the bad stuff. No, I'm joking. I did all the bad stuff. Um, <laughs> I think that's the easiest way to find the stuff that I do. But um, yeah, I'm pretty stoked about um, We Are Podcast. It's a conference that I started uh, four years ago. This is our fourth year, so it's, it it was. Uh, at the time, the first podcasting conference in the Southern Hemisphere. So stoked about that because I think we got into the market uh, way before anyone believed that there was a, a place for us. And, and now it's yeah. like going insane and nuts. Um, we always cap it. So there's always limited seats. And I don't think I'll, in- I'll increase the number of seats either because I want to increase the quality of the people in the room. And um, yeah, it's a, it's a podcasting conference that happens in Brisbane. It's happening in Brisbane this year. And it's three days of being amongst some amazing people uh, from the speakers yes. to the attendees uh, and, um, and everyone else in between. It's just, it just it's my Christmas. I, I look forward to it <laughs> every year. Um, me too, me too. Like having been in the room the last two years, I think, well, I mean, A, I went long before I even had a podcast and still got so much value out of it. Like it's not just, this is how to choose the best microphone. In fact, it's none of that. It's like how to build a funnel and how to like really good content marketing advice, basically. Um, And the people in the room are, it's not like one of those conferences you go to where everyone sits there and they're on their phone and they don't talk to anyone around them. Some of the names there are pretty huge as well. So who are some of the big speakers you're going to have this year? Well, this year, Pat Flynn's coming. Uh, Jordan Harbinger is coming back for his third uh, We Are podcast. Uh, I can't believe he's coming back for the third one. That's just ridiculous. Yeah. Um, Omar and Nicola coming back the third time. Sean D'Souza's coming back the third time. And um, you heard it here first. I think Lisa Messenger is going to also be speaking this year so i've never i've not actually said that out loud uh before now so let's uh let's hope it all works out to that plan um that that would be amazing wow okay and and i'll be speaking there as well so that's right right. (laughs) i'm one of the big names that's right (laughs) all right ronzi so thanks very much for being on the show and i will catch you soon back when i'm in brisbane thank you steph thank you so much for inspiring me on my journey as well. Thank you. Likewise. Thank you.